Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the marketing minds at DUConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. I'm Kevin Oakley, and as always, we have with us Andrew Peak. And it's story time. Yeah, story time, story time. Let's do it. So I got the first story. This is a fun one, and it actually has to do with a question that we have later. If you are on WordPress, you should always have in the back of your mind security. Um, WordPress is one of the most popular CMS or website builders out there, and this was this is a client story. We'll keep their name hidden, but their site has been down, or it's active, but there's 404 errors, there's pages not working across the entire site because they were on WordPress, it got hacked, and the only way they could get this thing fixed was to build it over from the beginning, from scratch. Ooh, it's terrifying. That's so we're a, on like day 11. That's not a good 11. bedtime story, Andrew. That's, it's not. That's going to give kids nightmares. This is a nightmare. Um, <laughs> Night terrors, some... all this stuff. This is not fun. <laughs> no fun at we all. Let's give them some background. So they got hacked. Yes. Um, yes. With some not nice stuff. Correct. Uh, yeah. This is a children's program. We are clean. So we won't tell you exactly what it was, but there was some drug-related stuff. There was some adult-related content that was showing up on their site. And, you know, we did, someone tweeted us after last week's episode and said, why are you hating on WordPress? Why shouldn't builders use it? And one answer is that it doesn't do a good job of, uh, generally speaking, um, all the complexities of putting a community and a house, a floor, a floor plan, and then a uh, spec home. That kind of nested data structure is not natively really friendly in WordPress. There are some solutions out there. Um, our folks at, uh, at O'Neill Interactive have a WordPress plugin. I, I think Builder Designs is working on one as well or has one. Um, so it's out there, but security is just really tough because there's so many plugins and different pieces that go into those sites. And uh, we got hacked ourselves about a year and a half ago. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I tell everyone, if you are on WordPress, make sure you grab, there's a, there's a plugin that's free called WordFence. We'll put the note in the show notes, um, WordFence. There's a free version and a paid version, but it's fantastic um, tool just to make sure that you don't get hacked. So that's, that's that's a great way to open the show. Positive note there, Andrew. Yeah, real, po real positive. Yeah, get, it's, it. yeah. There's so many plugins, and people find the one loophole in the plugin. And because WordPress is so popular, it's thousands of websites that they could access with one little backdoor. So yep. keep your plugins up to one. date. Just the one. Uh, we'll, we'll balance with a with a happy, I don't know if it's happy, it's definitely amusing, but I had a call with um, the head of a rather large agency. This is someone who's getting paid well over six figures to manage um, strategy for a home building company. And we were talking about, uh, they wanted some advice on um, Facebook tactics and strategies and what kind of creative would work best for, for their client. And as we're talking through, they said, well, you know, you guys had run a campaign for them at the end of the year that did really well. In fact, it didn't just do well online, it did well with walk-in traffic, it did well with sales. Um, and the builder did a fantastic job of documenting all this, um, probably the best we've seen anyone yes, it's awesome. do. And she said, I just wanna know, because you know we're talking about building these new creative assets for this upcoming campaign, and that's gonna be a lot of money. And I'm thinking, yeah, it is a lot of money um, to make really, uh, well, I'll stay on topic. But it is a lot of money, it can be a lot of money to create good content and videos. And she said, how much did you spend? So I have an idea of how much money will they have left for the creative. And I said, hold on, let me do the quick calculations, came back and it was like, it was, it was under $2,500 um, and had resulted in multiple additional sales for a, a really struggling neighborhood. 
And then when I said that number, there was just silence. And we weren't on video, so I can only imagine the the reactions that were going on um, for the, for that side of the call. But she just was stunned, absolutely blown away that, you know, now there are people listening who think $2,500 is a lot of money. And it, it certainly can be when it comes to advertising a community. But you don't have to spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on Facebook to see um, huge impacts. And I just thought it was really interesting that um, even though, you know, we, we work in this world every day, a lot of you guys who read our blog posts, I know a lot of builders out there who are using Facebook well, um, it's still, you're still on the cutting edge if you're doing this yeah. the right way. Um, Definitely. And that, that was a really, that was a fun campaign. Um, I'll give a quick little technical details about it. It was Instagram and Facebook, um, remarketing and targeting people local to the community which is like the standard treatment if you're running anything on, on Facebook. And of course we were targeting geo-targeting, which is a must have if you're running any, anything on Facebook and really Google if you need it. But Facebook in particular, you, you have to have the geo correct to the area. So where people actually should be seeing the ads needs to be spot on. Yeah, that's the number so. one filter we wanna be looking at is geography, location, location, location. Um, but then also, you know, price point. Price point and geography are the you know, really the two main um, filters that you want to start with on any campaign. Uh, but we saw an article in Adweek, which uh, there's a lot of good stuff on there too, but this one really caught my eye and I passed along to Andrew and just said, you know, try to try to not laugh as yeah, you read this one. It blew my mind. The title of it was Unleash the Power of Geotargeting for Your Facebook Ads. I was like, oh, And this was wow. like headline, top three articles on the site. And That's a great name. This, again, head of a major branding uh, advertising agency went on to recommend that people do what, Andrew? Use geotargeting for their Facebook ads. <laughs> Just like, of course, yeah, that's, um, that's what we should do. I, I will give them some, um, I don't know, some room on the leash. I don't know what to say. But if they're, if they're used to talking to people that only run national ads, I guess I could kind of see their perspective, but they're just a little bit out of touch with, with most businesses run ads to a limited geography. Um, unless you're like an e-commerce, you're going, you're going to be using geotargeting um, always. And especially with builders, you always have to use geotargeting. You cannot run an ad to the whole United States for um, Happy Acres community with 150 homes available from the 200s. It just won't work. You'll spend a lot of money and get get not much results yeah and and even large national companies um and campaigns are going to benefit from being geo-targeted and specific in their messaging in some form or fashion i mean um when i hop on a plane and i go to edmonton uh in a couple weeks or or to san, san francisco mm, or cold memphis um when you get off the plane in each one of those areas as compared to columbus ohio they are very different and it's not just the temperature that's different. There's just different. So even if it's toothpaste, I think it's been it's been shown time and time again in different case studies that just making small tweaks to speak to that local audience, yes, it does take a little more of that creative energy up front, and you're going to have you know 50 campaigns instead of just one or two, but the results are almost always going to be worth it. Yep. So, all right, story time is over for this week. Let's move on to the news. Fire up the news machine and article number one. Andrew is about what? Yeah, it is about AMP. So it's those uh, little mobile pages that Google wants, but in this case, it is Google using stories, 
which are on Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook, but they started on Snapchat. And a story is just, it's almost like a pretty slideshow if you're not familiar with it. Um, so it would be Google implementing those on their search results, which is pretty interesting. Um, what are your thoughts about it? Yeah, well, first, just I mean, we're talking about AMP, A-M-P, Accelerated Mobile Pages is what it stands for. Uh, Google rolled them out, oh, probably two years ago or so now. Yeah, and the idea is to, you know, Google is going to cache these um, very basic mobile-centered pages um, so that they load faster on mobile devices. They're kind of stripped down. In fact, um, if, you, if you go to websites that have a lot of annoying ads, just a, a tip, if you're on an iPhone anyway, I'm not sure how this looks on an Android device, when, at, when you're on the uh, Safari browser and you go to a blog post or an article, in the top left-hand corner, there's this little symbol with multiple lines um, to the far left of the URL. You push that and it's gonna show you a stripped down, much easier to read. Oftentimes it will hide ads or pop-ups and all the other stuff that's really annoying so that you can just see the article. And that's essentially what the A&P pages look like. But what we're talking about here is Google is kind of double and tripling down on this idea of now it's not just stripped down, but they're allowing more interactivity that comes from these social networks of some video content or um, interactive content. Basically, it's like you're in that social network, um, potentially. Yeah, it's pretty, it, I think it's pretty cool. Um, what I think will be difficult is you'll need a lot of manpower uh, and graphic designers to actually get those pages done. Um, because if you're familiar with them, there's a lot of animations, there's graphics, there's background colors, there's the formatting of the text. It's not just a block of text. Um, usually there's different fonts in there. Um, of course, it's a lot more exciting to go through that and you could actually digest more. And I'm willing to bet that the, the data shows that people consume that longer than just a traditional article. But I think we would have to see. Yeah, no, you can't go out and do this yet. I mean, this is still, they just had a big conference. They unveiled this. They had a couple major brands, you know, billion dollar with a buh brands um, who, who made sample pieces of content like this as proof of concept. So it's not available widely yet, but it is interesting that they are going down this path. And uh, ultimately, you know, Andrew, you're thinking the Google search results, the way they're displayed at some point, they're probably going to change pretty dra dramatically, not tomorrow, but. Some point. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for them because, you know, we have this this word, which I'm not really a fan of mobile, mobile, mobile first. Um, what does that even mean? I don't know, but it's mobile first. But Facebook, uh, Google, if you think about their their search result is still how old is that? The, the design, like the overall usability on it, you scroll down to the bottom, you hit next, you go to the second page. But Instagram, you just keep scrolling forever. Uh, Facebook, you keep scrolling forever. So I'm waiting for. Google, which is, I thought they were going to do this after they removed the right-hand side column ads, just to have it be an endless feed of their search results. So you would keep scrolling. So you wouldn't be like, okay, if it's not in the first five, I'm done. You know, that's really the best choices, but you would have a set of ads, you'd have the organic listings, another set of ads, and then you'd keep going to figure out the best page to click on that would answer you. And then alongside that, have images and just more, um, it would be like a Facebook and Instagram experience, except on Google when you're searching for the answer to a question that you have. Yeah, the grumpy old man and Kevin's going to come out and say, I hope not. I mean, I remember back when Google used to be very uh, conscious, and they still are, you know, how many characters even were on that page? Because the idea mm -hmm. was just keep it simple, straightforward, just let people get to what they want to. And, you know, maybe with when AI gets better about 
um, pinpointing exactly what we're trying to get to so that that rich content they're delivering at the top is. But right now, I, I, I think I really like, for the most part, the way that that experience is um, separate from Facebook, which is not one of our news stories, but they did, you know, um, what is it, a, a million um, fewer people a day right now are using Facebook, just they're the potentially tiring of it, you know, still, mm -hmm. still a lot of use there, but um, yeah, so we'll, we'll keep watching that again. You can't, you can't uh, do anything with that right now. What's up next? Let's see. Let's look at a way to, to summarize this ad, more or less protecting your brand from your ads being on sites and content that you do not like. So this was actually in reference to Unilever who spends 9 billion with a B in their marketing budget mm -hmm. per year. That is just insane to me. That is, of course, they own a lot of brands that they spend money on, consumer packaged products, all that, but $9 billion. And so they're threatening, they have a lot of pull with, with uh, Google and Facebook to pull their ads if they're being shown against content that they do not agree with. So, yeah. Yeah, mm. now, I mean, you got young kids, yeah. I've got young kids. I mean, this certainly can apply to marketers and brands. You don't, you don't, you don't want your um, remarketing ad showing up uh, next to pornography or illicit material of some kind. Totally get that. You don't want that brand damage. But it, it's, it comes to home pretty quick if you're letting your children watch YouTube. Um, oh, definitely. Because it's not, it's not just the content that you have to watch out for. It's, you know, I'm, I'm letting my uh, three or five year old watch Ryan's toy review. Uh, Great channel. Definitely, we'll I put that in the show notes if you've got a, yeah, a great channel. But I'm letting watch Ryan's story review and an ad comes on and it's for, you know, a rated R movie with significant amounts of violence in the preview. And this is a hard, I mean, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Google, everyone uh, are, are hiring not just hundreds, but thousands of people. Again, until AI can get even better at this um, to try to screen this stuff out. But this is a big problem for major brands. Uh, of just not wanting to uh, be associated with content that that doesn't fit the brand that they're trying to portray. Yeah, it's a, it's a big thing, and yeah, it goes both ways. You don't want it to be associated on the negative content, just like you mentioned, but also on the other side where you have a rated R movie being shown to a three year old. There's no there's no reason to do that. You know, there's there's no gain for them. Uh, so how can they yeah. make the advertising more efficient, but also not put their ad in front of someone that should not be seeing it? So it's yeah, it's a big it's a big thing um, for them to accomplish. Fortunately, if you're on if you're using Google Display Network, they do pre-select certain exclusions, and this is at the campaign level. You can exclude um, adult content. You could exclude live videos. You could exclude a lot of things by default, but you still need to monitor um, what they call placements, and that's the actual URLs where your website gets shown. And I've I've seen I think this this kind of cracks me up where um, certain accounts exclude content from um, sites that are on the opposite side of the aisle, um, which is funny because I'm sure they will not deny that sale from someone who is right wing or left wing, but they won't want their ad to show up on on Fox News or MSNBC or or whoever. It's I think it's quite humorous, but that's not what we're talking. We're talking about if it's, you know, radar content being shown to a three year old or the opposite you know, both of those situations. Yeah, so you don't have to panic. I mean, there are services out there that will, you know, they'll charge you a, a penny to 10 cent premium on each display to kind of guarantee that your all, your content is only gonna show up exactly where you want. So essentially they have huge whitelists of these sites are safe, for this kind of content. 
Um, but there is that back end of, of AdWords for the display network that, that you're talking about that just real, you know, a couple clicks of the mouse and you're protected from the vast majority of it. Um, and, you know, there's, there's two-way street to, to that ability too. You can exclude places that you don't want to show up. You can also be super targeted about where you do want to show up as well. Um, and Andrew and I have talked about this for a long time of, you know, those, those articles that are like um, relocating to Columbus, Ohio. If you don't have great blog content like that on your own site, but someone does have great blog content about relocating to Columbus, Ohio, and that page accepts advertising, you can get really selective about show my ad on that specific blog post. Uh, you could geofence that to only show to people who are coming from the areas that you want and then send them to a landing page, send them to the community pages that are relevant. So it goes both ways. Yep, definitely. And that would be a targeted placement is the Google term for that. You find the URL, you add I it. I love there. it. Targeted placement. I love bringing the bring nerd. Bringing the nerd. Andrew, I it. love it. <laughs> that's, why, that's why people are that's here. Great. All right, last news story, and then we'll take a quick break. Ooh, this is a fun one because this has been our life for like the past month. I have no idea why <laughs> this has been the month. But what is a staging website? Um, staging website is a prototype of a brand new site that you just had built and it is where all the testing and quality assurance, QA and all that stuff should take place. That's a staging mm -hmm. site. Um, any thoughts yeah. on that, Kevin? Well, this is, this is a great article written by a gentleman named Boone Sesfold um, on lsb.com. Um, and that's a great brand, um, focused website, a lot of great content there. One of the best events I've ever been to was the Brandworks conference, which unfortunately they no longer put on in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, but the, the article really breaks down and the analogy that he uses, which I love is, Hey, a restaurant does not serve people food that they've never tasted. That would be a disaster. Um, and yet, and, and by the way, this is not talking about home builder websites. This is just talk, so this is a problem for everyone. Um, and sometimes I'll give a reason why a lot of times this is caused from the client, not just the person building the website too. But just like the restaurant would never serve food that they've never tasted themselves, why wouldn't you make it divert? Uh, certainly you can do user testing, usertesting.com, um, trymyui.com. There are great services to send people there to watch it. You could send... Um, uh, use a service like Mouseflow or Lucky Orange to track all of the actual users on there. Um, there's lots of ways to do that. But then the last step, why not send 10% of all of your traffic there on a Tuesday and see what happens? Um, like real traffic. So, I mean, I think the, the, the other, there's two, I'll just say the one and then I'll let you give your input here. But this idea of launching the website is no different than if you as a home builder said, okay, yeah, you've moved in, don't ever talk to us again. Um, or the idea, uh, you know, it, launching it does not mean that you're not gonna, you're always, let me say this again, to set expectations for everyone. You launch a new website, even if you do use a staging site well, you're still gonna find issues. But you have to account for that just like you account for punch out time on the construction of a home prior to someone moving in, you have to account for that and have it in a schedule so that both the vendor and the client, no one's surprised if the vendor says, hey, I need X, Y, and Z from you quickly so I can fix this issue that we found and vice versa. It's, it's a two-way street. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that punch out time, that is, that is super important. And when you launch a new site um, and you're working with the developer, it's just as much, in my opinion, your responsibility as the client of the designer 
to to make sure everything goes smoothly smoothly it's not your responsibility to fix things but to just be as responsible getting things checked off the list um, so my perspective is from the advertising side so url changes is huge to me because that means all the facebook ads and google ads need to be updated so just checking those one by one by one you really shouldn't have that many to check you'll have community pages submarket pages and then if you have any inventory um, those pages are most important and then your call to actions are also super important which ideally if you're launching a new site that's a big conversation point that you have pro probably improving those call to actions but just making sure those are all all set up properly and the last one is a little bit tougher to do um, until it's live but just checking your tracking tags that they're installed and working correctly um, and then account for that. Just make sure you're watching analytics. If you see any big changes in there, you know, go in and investigate and see if there's, you know, just any issues with the tag itself. Most sites, unfortunately, do have weird quirks with the tracking tags, like all the time. There's always going to be something goofy with it. Um, so just make sure that you can account for that and look and see if there's any issues uh, with the tags. Yeah, I mean, I, th I, I couldn't agree with you more. It is, you know... <laughs> And again, I, as a home builder myself, I think we had launched five different sites over, over my time before starting with Do you Convert. And, you know, the, the vendor sends you the link and says, hey, can you review the site on your end? And you're like, oh, yeah, but I'm paying them to review it, too. So I'm going to spend 10 minutes and then it'll probably they'll probably catch everything. Yeah, it's the same. Again, we're going to keep using home building analogies because everyone on this uh, listening to this should totally understand that it would be like saying, um, hey, homeowner, don't bother doing a walkthrough because we got this. I mean, my guy's going to check it. Um, you don't need to walk through the house and, and create a list of items that are... And no, you would want both parties to do a thorough inspection prior to closing occurring. The same thing happens here. And then the other issue that happens all the time is, well, I told my company president we were going to launch on December 1st, so yeah. just go ahead and hit launch, and then we'll figure it all out later. Well, that that's, again, <laughs> hey, I know, I know that... No. Um, uh, that's the wrong countertop in my house and the hardwood is the wrong shade, but I need to move in tomorrow. Not saying that doesn't ever happen, um, but that's not a good scenario to be in. Yep. And then expect feelings and stress not to occur when the floor has to get ripped up on the website. You know, that's comparing it to the website going live and then making big changes that should have been done before the site was live. Um, I would yep. also just account for a little bit more time if you're going through a redesign, you know, there's just a lot of little points along the way that, that can make, make that deadline a little bit different. Even if it's the way you answer emails between you answer them at three in the afternoon versus mm. five o'clock, you know, that could add an entire day as far as getting something checked off the list. And then time zone changes. I know that that might be a weird one, but if you're West coast time versus East coast time, there's three hours. And depending on who you're working with, that could just add a day to everything along yeah. with when you're answering emails. Exactly. Um, exactly. All right. Good news stories. Help. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. Today's 360 topic is social media outsource or insource. Where's that? Where's that line? How do you make those decisions? We'll be back in just a minute. back for this week's 360 discussion topic as promised social media uh we're going to talk around this 
uh, kind of higher level, but all the way around in this idea of what do you insource, meaning what do you do yourself as a builder that should never be given to someone else or is best performed by someone in your own company? What's okay to outsource? How do you determine who the right partner is to do that? When you, when you, what, what are some tools you can use to make insourcing easier? Uh, reputation management, all that awesome stuff in, uh, we're going to try to limit this one, but um, let's just talk about kind of the different aspects first, Andrew, of um, so when we say social media, there's there's advertising, there's organic, there's all kinds of different pieces to this. Um, if you had to say um, your own comfort level, where where do you draw the line in terms of what what you would let an outside party do for you versus making sure that you handle yourself as a home builder. Yeah. Um, I would like the outside party to handle the advertising and leave organic to me and messaging and, and actual personal interactions with people on Facebook, leave that in Instagram, all the channels, leave that in house, but all the advertising set up, the creatives. So the images, the ad copy is fine with them. Um, Comfort level for me would also having some input on the images to be used. Mm -hmm. um, I have a little bias in that being that I know what the sticking points are for that, but um, I say specific is terrific. But if you're if you specify what you're looking for in the images, even more so if the new pictures are not on the website, you know, letting that partner who's building those know ahead of time is is super efficient for everybody not only yourself, but for them. And so they could do more for you. So, so you're saying I advertising, um, images, copywriting, that kind of stuff, organic and, and yeah. direct response to prospects or people asking questions. No, tell me, tell me why, why do you, why are you thinking that? Um, so in-house, we should know a lot more about every community, the floor plans, um, everything that the out of house, the partner that we're working with would have to ask us to get the answer to, or would have to do a lot of research. And hopefully that information is updated on the website to have the correct answer to. Um, so as far as accuracy, I think that we would be much quicker in-house. Uh, we'll also have the correct tone and words to use that would be congruent with if they were to pick up the phone, they would have the same type of feeling talking to that person on Facebook as they would calling yeah. in. It's hard to do that handoff. Um, I think that's important, the cultural parts correct. of what you're yeah, saying. Culture. It's not that everyone's going to say everything exactly the same who works for the same builder, but culturally, you know what your strong points are. You know um, how, how you win as a home builder, how to position yourself correctly, um, depending on what someone's asking you about. So I think all those are really, really important ideas. I, I think... Um, I, I agree with you. Uh, what kind of scenario, uh, and I'm putting you on the spot, I know, but is there a scenario, uh, maybe it's by builder size or um, job amount of geography, is there any any place where you could see um, uh, that, that those lines blurring a little bit or you feel pretty strongly about Let's that see, breakdown? I, I guess if the marketing team was bigger, they could definitely assist with the advertising side. So let's say they were multi-state, lots of divisions, all that stuff. They probably have more than two or three people on the marketing team. Hopefully mm -hmm. they could help with the advertising side, which I'm sure the part. So you're saying more in-source. Yeah, they could do more in-sourcing. Um, but then also this is, I'm really, I might be contradicting myself. Because of their size, that builder might have an insane amount of comments to filter through daily. 
Um, we had one client who had 99 plus comments per day, every day, every <laughs> single day, which you could argue, you know, Hey, that needs to be outside, but you could also go, Hey, we could probably hire someone for what we would pay someone to manage this. Like if it takes honestly, say three to four hours a day of checking and responding to Facebook comments, and we're going to pay an agency of some sort X amount of dollars per month. Could we just have someone full-time in-house that that is their job to do that? Um, I, think, I think it could go both ways. Yeah, I mean, we have a, a builder that we work with who in December, um, this online salesperson tracked, and I wanna say it was five out of 12 sales for that month came from engagements that start as, started as conversations on Facebook and then were eventually taken offline to another channel, phone call or that's email. Awesome. But if that's all outsourced and they're getting the canned answer and talking with someone else this week, that kind of canned answer response of, thank you for reaching out. Someone will be in contact with you shortly or thank you for reaching out. Please call this number or email here and someone will get back to you. Um, yeah, that's... That, that that's a waste. May never happen. That's so sad. That's a waste. Yeah, I think I think one way to put it is, okay, we have X amount of comments per year. If a very small percent, and I, in our example, we have five out of twelve were related to a comment, so that's you know almost fifty percent. But let's say it was only two percent of the comments led to a sale. Do that over the whole year, you could go, oh well, there's there's the revenue to pay for someone in house, and even though the percent will be higher, so it's. I don't know. I, I could easily see that being the investment to bring that in-house if you have the volume where it would take that person that much time um, to do. But I think you hit on something else that okay. all comments so, need to be personable and real and not a canned response for them to be effective. So. Yep. Uh, and, and you hit on something else, too, in terms of time. So let's uh, how, how much time. Let's just pick a, a fictitious home builder sized uh, organization. Let's say they do 100 homes a year, 100 to 150 homes a year. They're, they're only in one market. They have you know 10 to 15 neighborhoods um, in, let's say, four different submarkets. Uh, how much time from, an, from, the, from that ad perspective you're talking about, if that person, let's do a, a timeline here of that person's a novice, mm -hmm. how much time is probably going to take them to get up and going? Um, and if they're if, once the, those campaigns are generally built and it's about maintaining and creating new ones, how much time are we talking about from the from the build the ad and place the ad perspective? Yeah. So let's go from the beginning and, and work backwards there. And I think you said ten to fifteen communities and uh -huh. four four submarkets or five submarkets. Well, I don't. Yep. Let's say five submarkets because that's easy. Five, five submarkets, fifteen <laughs> communities, three communities per submarket. Easy easy math. Um, so I would say their setup would probably need to be, they need to always run five ads per sub market like that needs to always happen. And they might have like two or three other campaigns running at a time for slower communities or events. So there's eight things running per month, um, say two hours each to build for a novice with the image and then the copy. And I may, I may be. I'm biased on, on this because we launch a lot of campaigns every day and every week. Um, so maybe three hours, three times 15, or it's three times eight, 24 hours. Yeah, and that's if you're like, you know, watching a YouTube video about how to do this Correct. and pausing, trying to do it yourself. Of course, you're gonna make mistakes, but um, in terms of the importance that social media now has in not just driving traffic to your site, also driving foot traffic, we've had uh, scenarios that mm -hmm. and other episodes Huge. we can get into that prove that foot traffic does happen as a result 
of social media. You've got um, all these important aspects of it. Is it more important than, you know, spending those two hours making flyers on your inventory homes in a PDF format so that someone can print them out and take them to realtor offices <laughs> by hand? Yes, that is much more important. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it is. Oh um, so I, I just wanted to give us people a sense of, you know, it, it might take a long time to get started. Uh, that's where, again, a partner that can that can help you uh, get started in the right direction could be great. Um, I do want to say that if you're, you know, a top 10 home building company in the country, you may still, we're going to give some tools here at the end on ways to help manage comments um, and, and that kind of stuff. But the sheer volume. I mean, uh, I'll just give you, <laughs> I will share this story. So all of a sudden, uh, my American Express card, I'm getting hit with a, a, an extra $750 a day charge from American Express. And I didn't know where it was coming from. And uh, I, I found out that it was my former employer in um, Pittsburgh, uh, who still that card was on file, even though the number had changed twice. Facebook was still billing it uh, as a backup payment option. And so that means that I know that that home builder was spending just in one city of Pittsburgh, $750 a day. Now that's a national home building company who's roughly in 45 markets. So 750 times 45, uh, they're probably getting a whole lot of comments. So either you've got to have a team of, you know, three to four people, maybe just doing nothing but managing that and interacting with that. And it scale wise, I'm not saying that there's never a time you don't outsource with a partner, but only when you absolutely have to, uh, in terms of communicating directly with prospects, um, and and you know, portraying your culture and your brand um, to the to those people. I think I think we all agree on on that part of it. Um, okay, so some ways that people can can manage uh, all of this activity that's happening out there. What's our favorite tool? Our favorite tool, and there's a lot of them, but our favorite has been Agora Pulse. Weird name, A-G-O-R-A. Very weird name, we'll put it in the show notes. Pulse.com, <laughs> um, and it, it, it separates all the comments into like single comments, so you could check this one's dealt with, check this one's done. So you don't have to, the hardest part I think with Facebook comments, and really Instagram comments are even worse, but they're nested, so you have to go hunting for them if you wanna have them. And you can't really rely on the notifications because if you miss one, it could get buried underneath a few other ones, and then that person Or if who, a team member is checking in on it, yep. but doesn't respond mm -hmm. to it, and you're using the Pages app, uh, then you may think someone else has already handled it. Yeah, it's not good. So this separates them all out, and you could have different team members on the same account, so you could see who did what, and it has a history of, of the comments. It's, it's actually really cool, and it's not that much money. Um, I think it's what around a hundred dollars a month. There's a starting package, I think, for thirty nine for a single Ooh, lo user better. login and like three social media accounts. But you can connect YouTube to this, uh, Google Plus, which can connect to my Google My Business. Um, it will alert you when people leave reviews on services like Facebook nice. or uh, uh, Google, except YouTube, etc. As well, you can create um, rules uh, where you can just say, "Hey, if someone is using four letter words." that are not kind on my ad, just you know, deal with that or put it in a holding bin so that I can address it when I get a chance to. You can save some scripted pre-written messages so that if, um, you know, we do want you to be personal and, and whenever possible, but if someone is just asking for the warranty, 
information, you know, having that pre-written out nicely with the number and email address and here's how you get in touch with them, that can save you a ton of time. Uh, the package that makes sense for a lot of the people who need a tool like this, though, is going to be that $100 a month package that gets you three team members access who can all share. You can't trick that system, really, because you have to connect it to a Facebook account um, to be able to log into the tool. So um, it makes it a little harder to pass that seat license around and use it in, with a larger group. But um, yeah, we've seen we've seen a couple of people have really good success. One that one that you said, you know, I just sent them a congratulatory email because uh, I think it was two days ago was the first day that I got an email that said, "Hey, you have 15 or 18, yes. you know, responses waiting for you in Agora <laughs> Pulse." Uh, and so we gave them a big high five. So that's a, that's, that's a great nice. tool. Um, but yeah, I, th I think insource as much as you can, guys, um, because there's the last thing I'll say before your closing thoughts, Andrew, is, you know, the content that you are creating or curating that's being used on social media. Again, uh, like when we transparently, when we work with someone on this, we ask them, please send us the best five images that you have uh, for this neighborhood, because we don't know. I mean, best doesn't mean the ones you like the most means the ones that you think are going to inspire the prospects that you want to take action to say, I want to see more about that. So it's not necessarily your best selling house. Usually that has to do with the price and the value proposition. We care about that later. What we care about first is grabbing their attention, getting them to take the next step so that we can tell a deeper story off of Facebook or Instagram. So, but we don't, I mean, we'd certainly have our own preferences, but we ask the client to help us make those decisions. Um, so even when you're outsourcing, you still have to do a lot of extra prep work to make sure that that outside partner is in a position to succeed for you. Yep. I Anything agree. else yep. on your end? Yeah, my, my uh, closing thoughts on this one is, let's say you are managing everything in-house and your company is growing and it's taking more time. Um, you could pinpoint the process that you are you know, weakest at, let's say it is the ad creation part, the actual making the, the images themselves, you could possibly outsource that portion and then have the tool in there to help manage comments and really buy, you know, yourself time. Let's say that used to be X amount of hours per month and now you're going to spend $500 per month getting new images and this tool to buy you another 10 hours per week or whatever the time would be. Um, so yep. it doesn't have to be a full on, hey, we're going from nothing to we're committed with a new agency and we have this tool and now we're spending another $50,000 per year or something to have our Facebook run. It could be something in the middle until you're at the point where you're, you really do need to work with someone at house for your advertising. Yep. yep. And remember, guys, we did the, the um, survey of the top 50 home builders where I, I personally created a, a fake account put pictures, place of employment, all those details so it looked as real as possible, and then went on the top 50 home builders' uh, social media accounts and commented on an, an inventory home post of some kind and said, hey, this looks great, I'd like more information, gave my phone number and email address, and only five people reacted or responded to that in any way, including just liking my comment. Uh, so five out of the top 50, I mean, you guys need to have a tool like Agora Pulse or a process in place because getting people's attention and then ignoring them is not the way to do business uh, in 2018 and beyond. Yep, yep. So if you have any questions that you would like us to ask, um, email show at do you can, or answer. <laughs> well, you can ask the question, we'll, we'll try to give you an answer uh, about social media 
and what kind of team you need, uh, when to make those decisions, uh, email show, S-H-O-W, at doyouconvert.com. We'll read um, any of those questions on next week on the podcast. Um, let's wrap up with a question of the week from that uh, bin of goodness that is at the show at doyouconvert.com email address. Um, uh, this person, oh, darn, I didn't grab your name. I'm sorry. I wanted to give you credit. Mm. Um, but they, they did ask the question Shoot. of when am I ready for online chat? And I'm going to go give this person the props they're due. I'm going to go find it, Andrew. But um, when, what, what do we think about online chat? When are you ready for that as a builder? Why don't we do that first? Uh, lead us off here while I go find it. Sounds good. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question because it is a hard question to answer because I would say it depends. It's not a yes or no. Um, but a big one that I think is super important is when your answered call rate, which if you're using CallRail or any other call tracking software, um, is consistently over 80%. So that means out of one out of 10 calls, you're only missing max of two, which might be like, well, of course we're doing that. But if you don't have call tracking set up, yeah, you really you don't, don't have the transparency on that, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, and you'll just go in there and go, oh, okay, we're missing a lot of calls because you don't want to miss more calls because you're engaged with someone on the online chat. So that's the, that's the biggest one to me. Yep. What are your and thoughts that, that, on that? By the way, that you? 80%, um, I don't care awesome. if you have bad cell service. I don't care if the phone doesn't ring. Like, you've got to have that answer rate over 80%. Those of you who work with us are like, stop talking about it. We know. Um, but remember, guys, the phone is the best conversion tool out there. You get someone on the phone yes. with a good online salesperson, 40 to 50% of the time, they can set an appointment. And then 20% of the time or more, that appointment will result in a sale. You just can't ignore that, no matter how many incoming chats you have coming in. Okay, I found it. It's Tammy from Texas. Uh, so thank you, Tammy, for sending in the question. Um, yeah, I mean, phone calls, number one. Overall response time to emails uh, and form leads that are coming in consistently under five to 10 minutes. So again, we're just checking off the basics. Answer the phone, respond quickly to all inbound messages. You can use your CRM to check when the lead came in to the time that first response comes out. Remember, autoresponders don't count for this. That's still important. Autoresponders are necessary, doesn't count. If your current website converts leads above one and a half percent of sessions. So, you know, we don't want to um, cover up the mask potentially of a website not getting us the lead conversion that we need to by just adding another opportunity. That can be part of the equation. We want to make sure that we've tried a lot of other things first. In fact, just a, a client again this week. I mean, we've done a, a, they've done a great job on some redesign stuff. We've done a lot of user testing. Still, probably because of price point, um, they're not getting quite as many conversions as they would like. Uh, more around the, the 0.75 range. So we're going to add an online online chat because we have tried, trust me, we have tried for the last year, so many other ways to get that conversion up. So we're going to add that in the mix, but it was, it was you know, one of the last things in. And then the last thing is that you, your team has the margin. So you're doing all those things great. But if you've got 300 inbound leads coming in and you've got one person, a month, you don't have the margin for them to be sitting on on the computer chatting with people because chats can last a whole wide range of times, right, Andrew? That's right. Um, let's say it could be 10 seconds. It could be up to 30 minutes at a time. And for the chat to work, you need to get that person. I don't know if you've ever chatted with customer service, say with even with Amazon, you bought something that was wrong, thing came mm -hmm. in and you decide to go through the chat to get the return started. 
if they're not super responsive, as in like one to two seconds after you type in the chat, that person who's on the other side of the chat with you will likely do something else. Mm-hmm. And then the chat just is yeah. much longer than it should be. Yeah, the they're consumer not moves on, then you're ready to start chatting and they've moved on. Yeah. And it's this whole back and forth of, of delayed responses. And then all of a sudden you have 10 of those windows up and you're wasting so much time. And then the phone starts ringing and then everything is just this big mess. Um, so yeah, you need the margin, you need the time to actually do that effectively. We've seen some people turn on the chat after they um, send like a marketing email out yep. or like Martha. a bunch of personal emails. Yep, there we go. And then they turn it off when they're not ready to. And I think it works well for them doing it in that manner. That's, that is the another last important piece is never have a chat that just says you're not there. Um, you're not, you never close for business. So to say someone's not here, but still have a chat window up. Again, it goes right along with a lot of these chat services are not connected to your CRM. So then that goes into manual entry as necessary by someone else or converting or importing or exporting. And we know how often that's not likely to occur. Um, So again, yeah, using chat selectively can be fantastic. Um, We actually do like chat. The problem just comes in that most people aren't willing to invest invest in in enough human beings to make chat um, the best because it's not the best converting method. Um, phone calls and emails and the numbers that we look at are converting better. Again, to be clear, I'm not talking about not getting quote unquote leads or contacts. You put a chat form on, you're gonna get a lot of contacts. You're also gonna get a lot of people who leave as soon as you tell them the price range that, that you didn't show on your website for something and you tell them they're gonna say thanks and go away. Um, so I think, and I can hear someone's voice in my head saying, yeah, well, you know, and I've experienced this, you do that Amazon return or you chat with customer service and the other person is totally not there. Like I know they're not there, but it says that, you know, Andrew is typing a message to you. And then Andrew says, can I have a few minutes to research this issue? And again, it's just, it's a buffer to try to wait until that human being can actually get to me. Um, We're not, we're not silly humans. We we know what's happening. Um, So yeah, do chat when you're ready but just make sure you're ready by going through that checklist first. All right, Andrew, let's wrap it up. Where can Great. everyone... Oh, you know what? You've got something coming up next week. Yeah. We should have talked about this at the top of the show. Ooh. What's happening yeah. next week with yeah, you, Andrew? Yeah. I have a webinar next week mm-hmm. with uh, with Lasso, and actually, I just found it. Dave Betcher will be on with me for a little bit as the well. The one and only. The one and only, and it is... It is a webinar next week. I'll be talking about Google Analytics, um, UTMs, landing pages, everything that you need to know with that, which is a perfect time of year to get started with it. And I'm pulling up the time when we pull up here. It is February 22nd at 12 p.m. Eastern time, 12 p.m. Eastern. It will be a lot of fun. I hope you uh, register there. If you go to Lasso's page, you'll find with the registration link. I will be watching for sure. And um, I'm heading out to New York City next week to oh, nice. go say hi to the folks at Zillow and see what the latest and greatest is that they've got going on. But sounds like fun. Um, when people want to see what you're doing on the socials, Andrew, where do they find you? Yep, you could find me on Instagram at Andrew Peak DYC or on Facebook, Andrew Peak. You can search me on there. I have a lot of competition on Google Organic. If you search Andrew Peak, there's another guy out there, same name political guy so it's you can't find me on google except for the second page yeah you can of, just google kevin oakley do. thank you for the lead in there I'm jealous. Uh, google kevin oakley or go to do to get connected to the uh social 
uh, channels there. Yeah, there's a there's a former artist, and I think there's a, like a musician, but he must not be very good because I'm still I'm still yes. outranking him. You <laughs> You're a better musician. There we go. I like it. All right. Until next time, thank you for joining us on Market Proof Marketing. We'll see you next week. Thank you.